we're going to spend the remainder of our journey together talking about six values that we have determined over quite a process that if we can if we can move forward in life with these values clearly in front of us that you as a person it's going to benefit you and help you support your mission in life to glorify God by making Jesus the center of people your aim passion your approach but also us together these values are going to help support so that we can keep moving forward together without distraction the first value that we're going to talk about today is worship is our mandate. Worship is our mandate. Now, as, as a mandate, it guides our view. It's going to guide our offering. And it's going to guide our mindset. It's going to support and guide our view, our offering, and our mindset. I'm going I'm to read a passage today in Romans chapter 12. I'm just going to read two verses. This guy who wrote this book, his name is Paul. And uh, he's right, guess who he's writing it to? The name of the book is called Romans. Who do you think he's writing it to? Romans. Very good. Gold star for everybody today. Uh, he wrote this book to the Romans. And I love Paul because Paul was dealing with cultural tension that was happening real time with different parts of the body of Christ, different parts of the church that had, they'd given their life to Jesus, but they carried in baggage from their old relationship and some other things. It doesn't that sound like us sometimes. Sometimes we bring into our relationship with Jesus, we bring into our faith things that we used to participate in. And, and Paul is dealing with the same thing. Paul, this is important to know, Paul was Jewish. He was one of the most learned Jews of his time. And his name was Saul prior to him making Jesus the center of his life. And when he made Jesus the center of his life, God changed his name from Saul to Paul. And, and it's this idea that in you, when you step in and you join Jesus in this space, that he is actually making you a new creation. He calls you by something that is new, that the old, the old man, the old woman, the old things are dead and gone and they've been buried. When Jesus went to the cross, those things were crucified and you are now risen with Jesus Christ and you are a new creation. And so he changed his name from Saul to Paul. And one of the amazing things about this guy, you would think because he had all this experience with Judaism that God would turn him around and he would make people Paul's aim by sending him back to the Jews, but he didn't. He sent him to the Gentiles. A Gentile is anybody outside of Judaism. So if, if, if you grew up in a Jewish household and you're Jewish, and I didn't, I'm a Gentile. Most of us probably fall in the Gentile realm. Okay, some of you might be Jewish in descent. Totally good. Love it. Paul's aim was going after the Gentiles. Here was the problem. There were some Jews that had given their life to Jesus. And there were some Gentiles that had given their life to Jesus. And they were embroiled in some tension and a battle over who really belonged in this space with Jesus. So Paul's prescription to them is, I need to, get, I, I need to help Remind you to live in humility that everyone has an invitation to join Jesus. Therefore, he says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. I want to define a couple things for you really quickly because culturally, maybe we have, when we say a word, it, it, it brings up a different thought or we think about other things. Uh, so let me define first and foremost worship because if worship is our mandate, what I'm not talking about in entirely is singing songs because some of us, our context of worship is standing and singing songs or a, a genre of music. What I'm talking about is a lifestyle and this is how I would define that lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle where you give honor uh, and weight all attention, affection, and worth to God. It's a lifestyle of this, where all worth, attention, and affection is given to God. That is a lifestyle of worship. Now, within that, we sing songs about it, and that's good, and that's awesome. How do we do that? By giving priority to the weight of God's words over our own. I'm going to simplify it and just say that. That's how, we, that's how we enter into this lifestyle of worship, worth, attention, and affection. How do we do that? We give weight to God's words. So my words don't supersede God's words. Why do we do that? Why do we give weight to his words? Because this was and still is what we were made to do as part of our original design purpose. And what is that? To glorify God, to worship him by giving all worth, attention, and affection, and all priority and weight to his words. What happens? Beginning of creation, man and woman, they give weight, worth, attention, and affection to their own words. Sin enters the picture. We, we have been worshipers from the beginning of time. Every single one of us are worshiping something. We're giving worth, attention, and affection. We're giving priority and weight to something in our life. Some of us give weight to worry. Some of us give weight to our own way of doing things. Some of us give weight to a system or strategies. Some of us give weight to political parties. Some of us give weight to corporations. Some of us give weight to lots of things before we give all worth, attention, affection, and full weight to God's words. And a lifestyle of worship says all of this gets a priority from God because it's in our original design purpose. I'm going to define mandate really quickly. A mandate is simply an official order or commission to do something. So there's this moment in Jesus' life where he hits about 30 years old and God says, right now is the time for you to start your ministry. Okay, And he gets baptized, he comes up out of the water, and he goes out into the wilderness, and the devil tempts Jesus. And he basically is saying to Jesus, I'm gonna, th this is from the, uh, the book of Patricio um, in the Bible. Uh, anyway, that's my name in Spanish. Some of you are like, I don't know what Patricio is. All right. So I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to paraphrase this really quickly. Jesus is taken to the wilderness and Satan says to him, the devil says to him, hey, listen, Jesus, I want you, I'm going to give you a proposition. I want you to give all worth, attention, and affection to yourself before your fathers. 
And this is what Jesus says in response in Matthew 4.10. He goes, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, notice that Jesus said, the scriptures say. So Jesus is repeating what was said in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the Old Testament. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 is reinforcing what we were created for in Genesis 1 and 2. Are you with me? Paul in Romans 12 is now reminding us of what Jesus said, who was restating what was said in Deuteronomy, who was reinforcing what our original design purpose was in Genesis 1 and 2. So here we sit. God has given us this official order to worship him and him alone. Jesus repeats it. Paul reminds us of it. Because why does Paul remind us of this? Because it's going to guide our view, our offering, and our mindset. Let's talk about our view. He says right there in chapter one, he goes, therefore I urge you in view of God's mercy. This word view is an encouragement to strengthen you towards something sacred. What is sacred that Paul is trying to encourage you toward, strengthen you toward? Worship. Giving all worth, attention, and affection to God and God alone, first and foremost. He's not saying that you're not going to give attention to things or you're not going to be affectionate toward things. He's just saying God gets the priority. If left with the choice, God gets the priority. Mercy, it's compassions. It's, it's shown by offering. Um, and in this case, it's shown by offering Jesus as a sacrifice in place of humanity to reconcile sin. So what is this saying? Paul is basically saying, I want to remind you in view, in light of, it'd be like you saying in light of something, in light of this occurrence, in light of, in view of God's mercy. What was God's mercy? He gave his son as a sacrifice to reconcile the sin issue that humanity has. So now we can step through Jesus Christ. We can now step into a relationship and join him. Sometimes we lose sight of what it is that we're supposed to be doing, our mission, glorifying God by making Jesus our center, people, our impassion, our approach. We lose sight of it. And we need a reminder. And a lot of times what happens is we need the lens of the mercy that Jesus Christ has given us because we get distracted by the bright, shiny object. Has anyone ever been distracted by a bright, shiny object? It's like... I remember uh, growing up and always messing with, we had a cat, messing with our cat. Some of you maybe have done this. And you, if you can get something to like shine a light on a wall and, and, and cats want to go get it, right? And, and like humans are kind of like cats sometimes. Like we just, we're, we're there and we're in the moment and we see like this, this thing on the wall and we're just like, ooh. <laughs> right? We're trying to catch this thing that can't be caught. It's, it's a complete distraction. And so what Paul is saying is, is you're going to get distracted. So I want you to be sure that worship maintains a mandate in your life so that your view will always be through a lens of Jesus Christ in your life. Because that keeps you headed toward the right direction.
I love in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, therefore, since we were surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. What is the race that God has set before you and set before me and set before us collectively together as a family? What is that race? Glorifying God by making Jesus the center, people our aim, and passion our approach. Pretty redundant, isn't it? Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. What is our lens? In view of God's mercy through his son, Jesus Christ, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so that we can endure the race. We need endurance. Life is going to hit you. Life is going to hit me. We need endurance to stay focused. And this is where these guides come in and they help us stay aligned. So we're going to do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. So God commands us to worship, to keep our attention focused on him. So let us keep clear view the sacrificial offering that God has made through his son, Jesus Christ. Worship matters. Family, worship matters because it guides us on this mission so that we can run the race that we're called to run. Number two, worship guides our offering. After Paul urges us in view of God's mercy, he urges us toward what? He urges us in view of God's mercy to do something, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, it says. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This word offer means to bring or to lead to. Uh, it means that for you and I, that the number one person that you need to look to as leader in your life, the number one person I should look to as leader in my life, um, when we get up in the morning is we need to learn to lead ourselves. And what I mean is we're submitted to Jesus Christ but the first thing that I do is I go, I am responsible for leading me. Too often what happens is, is we go, Jesus, here's my life. I'm going to join you, Jesus. And then I'm going to give the responsibility of leading my life to Pastor Pat. Or to my boss. Or to a candidate. Or to a neighbor. Or to a friend. Or to a loved one. And what we do is, is we make it the responsibility of the, the person to lead us well. And in doing so, we make ourselves victim to whatever that person or that thing does. And God is calling us through this lifestyle of worship to lay ourselves down as an offering to lead ourselves. Yes, I am here to help lead you. But at the end of the day, you have a responsibility to lead yourself. And if we can lead ourselves well, then we are more apt to live well. Now, you're not here to do it alone. You're here to do it with support. I have support. We support each other. But at the end of the day, I am responsible for me. I am responsible for leading myself to the feet of Jesus. I am going to stand before God one day, and he is going to hold me in account for my life. He's not going to hold the people in account for my life that did bad things to me or said the wrong thing on the freeway and made me lose my salvation almost because I was giving him the holy fist and finger. Okay, are you with me? 
There's, there's not going to be a moment where I'm going to get to say, but God, you don't understand. He's going to say, no, what I understand is through it all, you had a choice. You had a choice to lead yourself as an offering to my son's feet, Jesus. You are responsible. And that is a responsibility that we cannot pass off to anyone else. What is your first offering? Your body. It says, offer your body. Uh, this, this, this when it says, offer your body, this implies not your left foot because you don't like your left foot. We're always willing to offer the thing that like is no good. You know, like, have you ever seen a, do- you, you, you know what the, the dangerous part of donation stations are? They're not really like donations of the best of what we have. It's people just love to leave their trash there. I'm just being real. Like, what if we took our donation station so seriously through this lens of worship that we brought our very best of what's in our closet? We brought our very best of what's in our home. We brought the very best of what we've been given. We brought the very best of our money. We brought the very best of the relationships that we live in. This implies 100%, but not just the stuff that we, ah, I could live without this. It's the stuff that I think I can't live without that God's really interested in me bringing and my wholeness, all of me. So worship as a lifestyle says you can have all of me. Not that part of my body where that wart lives on my finger and God, like who would want that? This idea of, of, of a living sacrifice, it implies that what Jesus Christ did, this word living, it's, it's uh, in opposition to a slain victim. This is what this means. That you are not a victim that is dying a death because of sin, but because Jesus Christ has given you an opportunity to lead yourself to a relationship with him, you are now alive in Christ and you are dead to the old things. So we bring ourselves as an offering, as a living, spiritually alive sacrifice, it says. This word sacrifice is a free gift. It doesn't mean that sacrifice doesn't cost you something. It means that sacrifice is a free gift, says that I'm not asking for any reciprocity. I don't offer myself as a living sacrifice to Jesus and then say, Jesus, I brought, I led myself. I did the work of leading myself to joining you. Now let me tell you what you got to give me, Jesus. No, no, no. It's in view of what? God's mercy. My reasonable response is what the King James says. My reasonable response and service is that I respond by giving all of myself back to Jesus. Not because I want to step in and, and make it transactional. This is not a transaction. Jesus did not give his life as a transaction. In fact, he gave it all even while you and I may not make the decision to lead ourselves into this space with him, he still gave 100% of himself. And, and what we reciprocate with equally is a living bodily sacrifice. We bring everything to the table and we say this, if I never have a quote-unquote ROI, return on my investment, I am doing what I was built to do from the beginning of creation. And I'm laying myself down before you and giving you everything. 
It says, as Paul finishes that line, he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If it's true and proper, that means there's false and inappropriate. If Paul made a point to say this is true and proper, that means there is false and inappropriate. And I think sometimes what happens is that false worship is... uh, I'm going to do this predicated on not dying to myself. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus, but I'm not going to die to myself. And really, I'm going to join you, but it's going to make it all about me. That true and proper worship, our lifestyle is worship. True and proper lifestyle worship says, I am going to lead myself to you, Jesus, and leave myself in front of you. One of the hardest things about being a living sacrifice is you're alive. You know, back in the Old Testament, they would kill their sacrifices, right? And so what would happen is, is in the Old Testament, they would, they would sacrifice an animal. And every single piece of that animal, there was a prescribed um, instruction from God on what to do with every single piece of that animal. All of it. Why? Because God requires a full, complete sacrifice. And then beyond that, every single person involved in that Jewish family had a part to play in it. That you and I, as the body of Christ, this is both personal and it's organizational. It's personal, you and your relationship, but it's our and our relationship. That we would bring our personal bodies All of us is a sacrifice, but we together would bring all of our body as a sacrifice. That when you aren't bringing 100% of who you are and another follower of Jesus comes alongside and as a value says worship is our mandate. Hey, we're in relationship and and it's out of that relationship. I say, hey, are you struggling? Yeah, I'm struggling with something. Like, hey, are you bringing all of yourself? I'm not bringing all of myself. We're having these conversations through values. Why? Because it keeps us aligned and supports us on our mission. So a value of worship determines how I approach, how I offer my life to the mission at hand. Worship matters because it guides our offering. Lastly, it guides our mindset. I want to remind you what I just said was was worship requires a whole sacrifice, your entire body, including your mind. Sometimes we show up with our physical bodies, but we don't bring our minds. Sometimes what happens is, is that we show up and we check a religious box, but we never invest with our mindset. And your mindset will determine your attitude. And there was a moment in scripture that the nation of Israel was bringing their sacrifices to God. And they were doing it by the book. They were completing the task. They were checking the box and God stopped them. And he said, stop doing what you're doing. And they said, why? We're doing what you asked. He said, because you're not bringing all of yourself. You're not convinced in your mind that what you're doing, you don't actually hold the belief that what you're doing is purposed. You're just doing this because it's part of a routine. 
And I don't want you to physically show up with your body and not have your mind, your belief system, and your attitude there with it. How many times do I show up and bring all of myself and I'm grumbling in my mind? You know, I'm going to show up, God. I just don't think. Stop right there. That's, that's where I get in trouble. I'm going to show up with my body. And as soon as I say, I just don't think, <laughs> God's like, you're right. You don't think. You, Pat, you have proven in your life that sometimes you just don't think. I'm like intense, impulsive guy. And the, the best gift that God has given me is to stop and slow down and say, God, you can have all of me and you can have my mind. Paul knows this. You notice right after he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The ver- I mean, v- verse 2. What is he, he, he doesn't skip a beat. And he goes, don't conform. He says it and then he's like, but hey, keep your attention. Don't conform. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. That people show up and they sit in seats. They show up and they check a box, but they don't fully commit all of themselves. Don't conform. In fact, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The first thing to show up, and, and it's actually easy, is your body. The second thing to show up that's more difficult is your mind. Because when your mind shows up and you're convinced that this right here is the number one prescription for humanity, something shifts and changes. When you have a conversation with me and I tell you, hey, this is the number one thing that I could lead you toward is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you go, that's absolutely crazy. I can't believe that. And I say to you, I understand. But I show up with my body and I'm convinced in my mind. And because I'm convinced, I live my life this way. I struggle through the tensions. I get through the mess. I grow through and I'm being transformed. Don't you know? God transformed you when he sent his son Jesus and he's transforming you still today. If you're willing to live a lifestyle of worship that says, God, you can have everything that I am in view of your mercy as a complete and full offering that requires sacrifice. And I'm not asking for anything from you in return. I just want to lead myself to your feet so I can see other people led to the same place. And I am convinced of it. Why? Because worship, that lens, it transforms my mind. There are so many of us walking around in life, followers of Jesus, and not followers of Jesus that look good on the outside. The bodily part is doing good, but our minds are under complete attack. We are living in the highest rate of suicide, depression, anxiety, medicating this stuff. And I'm telling you, how is that possible in one of the greatest first world countries to ever exist? My prescription is because we are not living according to what we were mandated to do, and that's to worship God and God alone. By making Jesus the center, people our aim, and passion our approach. God wants to transform in you today every piece of who you are. He wants to heal your relationships. 
He wants to restore the accounts in your life, physical, emotional, mental, relational, financial. He wants to restore the accounts in your life to a place of abundance and overflow because it's what you were created to live in. And I'm saying to you today that anything less than that is us not living according to what God has for us. He has more for you. He is transforming you. But we have to be willing to step into this lifestyle of worship that says, God, you can have everything. In view of your mercy, in view of your son, Jesus, you can have it all. Why don't you join me in standing today? One of the most important things that I can do on a persistent and consistent basis is offer you the invitation of stepping in and joining Jesus in a relationship with him. It's the best thing I can do for you. There's a lot of good things that we can do for you, but the best thing we can do for you is to invite you into this. And so today, just like Sunday's past, today I'm going to give you the opportunity to answer that invitation yet again to step in and join Jesus in a relationship with him. And what I said was is that God as a father loves you so much and he's called father because he actually is saving you and he puts you in a family. He doesn't save you to put you in a silo. And so because of that here at Movement Church, our goal is that you wouldn't step from a place of being totally separated from the body that you were, you were made, the family you were made to live in. And then all of a sudden we do this thing where we receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior and we do it in the quiet. It's like secret society Christian. That what I'm saying to you today is that you, you, the best thing for you is that you would say yes to Jesus and you would let someone else know that. And so I'm going to make this really easy. Before you walk out of this room, you can simply come up to someone who's at the front, one of our ministry team members. They're ready for you. They've been praying for this, literally been praying for this moment, the entire service. And they've been saying, God, we can't wait to meet the person who's going to place all of themselves, lead themselves as God calls you to the feet of Jesus. And if that's you, just before you leave here, just come up and talk to one of them and say, today I want to lay myself down at the feet of Jesus. And they're going to pray with you because we want to come alongside you. We want to be part of the transformative process. By the way, we're all in transformation. We all have a bit of a mess, don't we? But I love that the word Messiah begins with the word mess. And Jesus Christ is our Messiah, our Savior. Why? Because he literally takes all of the mess. He writes what's been wrong. For some of you today, maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you say, hey, I just need to take a step further. God, you, you're transforming me. And maybe your 
next step is you need to just raise your hand figuratively and say, hey, I need to be known because God didn't save me to put me in a silo. And you're part of a family and we are serious about living life with people. Like we just don't say it, we mean it. And so I want to invite you to take that step. That could be as simple as stopping outside where it says, I'm new. I'm new doesn't mean it's your first time. Maybe it's your hundredth time, but you just haven't self-elected to say I'm new. I say you're fresh. Uh, maybe you're fresh. And uh, you, you just got to stop saying, like, hey, I'm fresh here. Pastor Pat said I'm fresh. I'm fresh here. I just want to stop and I, I just want you, to, I, I want you to know I'm fresh. And there's someone there who wants to love you by coming alongside you and joining with you. Why? Because people are our aim. Why do we want to call you in? Because passion is our approach. And we want to walk with you as you continue to make Jesus your center. Let's pray. Lord, today I ask in your name, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would all be reminded and have a lens today that it's in view of your mercy, it's through the lens of Jesus Christ that we would see things the way that you see them. That how we offer ourselves would be complete and whole. It would not be in part. We wouldn't hold anything back. God, that you didn't hold anything back from us. You didn't withhold your love. You don't withhold your You don't withhold anything from us. It's all available and we just need to lead ourselves. We need to bring ourselves to the feet of Jesus. Thank you, God, that you've done that. And that we wouldn't just bring ourselves, but we would bring our mindsets. We would submit our thoughts. We would submit our strategies. The areas that we think we're strong enough to do it on our own and we're not. That we need you and we need each other. We need the support and we need guides to help us so that we can achieve this stated outcome of this mission. To glorify you by making Jesus the center, people our aim, passion our approach, worship matters, family. It is the bedrock. It is the bedrock that our life is built on. So we thank you. Next week, we're going to talk about truth matters. That's going to be interesting. What truth? Whose truth? My truth? You're not going to want to miss this. It's going to be controversial. I promise you. Tons of drama. But we're going to talk about truth matters for today. We're going to go saying, Jesus, you can have it all. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen.